everyone. Welcome to our final episode of Hashing for the Holidays, brought to you by Bitcoin Magazine. I'm Amanda Fabiano, and happy to finish out this limited series podcast with a few very special guests. Today, we're going to focus on, the, on, on how these guests got into Bitcoin mining, to how they got down the rabbit hole, the intersection of energy and Bitcoin mining, and trends we're seeing from a legislative perspective. So, to get us started, let's do a round of intros. Trent, can you go first and tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, sure. how you got into mining and the work you're doing in the space? Sure, my name is Trent Stout. I work for Priority Power Management. We're based here in Texas and I lead our blockchain business, which is really focused around Bitcoin miners and helping clients find capacity uh, and locations to connect to the grid then helping them build private utility grade infrastructure and then managing the power supply and uh, helping them monetize their optionality over the life of their asset. So it's uh, quite an exciting space right now and it's uh, very, very busy. So um, if you ask me how I'm doing, I say, I don't, I don't, I don't know because I don't have enough time to really think about it. So, uh, but it doesn't feel like work because getting to meet great people like yourselves in a, in a really open source community where everybody is really just, you know, driving in the same directions and, and competitors are, are friends and um, it's really a, a cool place to be. But uh, how did I get here? My you know background and career was in energy investment banking and then commodities trading. So for over a decade, I was one of the, the senior um, uh, management at Bank of America Merrill Lynch Commodities where we uh, you know, basically had all sorts of um, client business across every commodity. Did a lot of cool things around quantitative strategies and futures and, uh, you know, different, you know, financial engineering and derivatives. And I got really interested in uh, cryptocurrencies about eight years ago, just on my own, um, as we looked at, you know, different things for our, our customers and blockchain around like gold and custody and, and, you know, really esoteric things that really haven't taken off. But um it, it piqued my interest and I've been investing personally since then. And when I had an opportunity to uh, start working with Priority Power about a year and a half ago on our large mining clients and really um, dig in and, and, and figure out how to, uh, you know, purchase power, you know, on a, you know, more, on a more efficient basis, more capital efficient, and then turn these uh, power um, or these data centers into virtual power plants. So really helping them monetize their optionality. And it's uh, an incredibly complex uh, process. It's really cool. And it's, it's driving all sorts of uh, good discussions around sustainability and, you know, legislative process and connected to the grid. And I know we're going to get into all that later, but um, yeah, so, you know, background in finance, uh, commodities trading, and a personal interest in Bitcoin led me to kind of at the intersection of, of all their power needs and, uh, you know, helping the miners. That's awesome. That A really cool background because that has a lot of the basics of Bitcoin mining, right? Energy, you could look at Bitcoin as a, Bitcoin mining as a commodity, um, energy. Absolutely. Again, right? yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's great. And awesome. it's the intersection of bringing the physical, you know, commodity and the mining to the financial with a lot of the things that, um, you know, we'll talk about here that that are, you know, some of the trends for next year. So. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. Let's go to you next. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your background, where you're working, how you got here? Of course. Uh, thank you for uh, inviting me on, Amanda. Again, you know, so glad to be here and share. So um, I'm a uh, 
Uh, Austin Jones, uh, I'm an associate at TerraWolf. I work sort of on strategy and M&A. Um, and I have a not as clear path, I guess, to, to the Bitcoin space as Trent. Um, I actually did five years in the Navy before this. Um, I graduated from the Naval Academy a few years ago um, and served in the United States Navy, like I mentioned, for a few years. Um, and then just happened to turn a passion project into a, a full-time job. So I had the nice fortune of working alongside some peers uh, in the Navy, um, kind of messing around with crypto in late 2016, early 2017. Um, and that passion eventually, you know, was I able to turn into a full-time position with TerraWolf. And, you know, TerraWolf is such an incredible company. Uh, we focus on uh, zero carbon energy powering our mines. Um, and so in particular, we, we have two sites that are under construction right now. One is right up uh, near the Hy Niagara Hydro facility in upstate New York. And another one's at the Susquehanna nuclear uh, station in, in Pennsylvania. And so our company really focuses on the zero carbon portion and then ESG as well with sort of five of seven senior management being females in crypto and then the entire management team having worked together uh, in sort of uh, power and energy infrastructure over the last 20 to 25 years. And, you know, they recognize this uh, very, very interesting uh, phenomenon called Bitcoin a few years ago. And we've had great partners sort of from 2017 on and then are now going out on our own. Uh, just recently last week, uh, listed publicly on NASDAQ and uh, began trading and are really excited for the future uh, and to see how 2022 holds. And, uh, you know, I know we're, we're going to lead towards trends, but my thought is on execution. There's a lot of miners out there and 2022 will be the year of, of execution. Absolutely. You didn't want to give a shout out to your best friends that you you referenced in your uh, in your speech, Jesse. Oh, yes. And I get to work um, alongside some great, great people also at Terrible. Um, <laughs> Jesse Yuan, he's, he's a close friend on, a, on our team. And then uh, and there's another guy, Jack Lime, that we all work sort of hand in hand. And, and uh, we, we love what we do. It's a great shop. And, uh, you know, it's a I, I feel so blessed every day for what I get to do because who gets to work in Bitcoin, see all these amazing things and sort of be on the cutting edge. So, so, it was, so it was blessed really for that. Cool. When I, I met with you guys in Miami, I didn't realize that you and Jesse went to the Naval Academy together. So you've had like this like progression of things yeah. that you do, which are really cool. Um, yes. Yeah. Awesome. He and I are, are so fortunate. Like I said, we were kind of messing around with crypto together and, and, uh, some other friends throughout the Navy time. And then, you know, when it came, came due, uh, our, our founder and CEO is a Naval Academy graduate as well. So a little bit of a tie there. Um, and, you know, as they were trying to build out this you know, new team in, into crypto, we were fortunate to kind of jump on and, and uh, uh, lend what expertise we could and more just the passion for the space. And, and as we grow, um, hopefully bringing some good ideas to the table. That's awesome. And last, but certainly not least, my girl, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> can you hello. Us, hello. Can you give us a background of how you got into Bitcoin mining, what you're doing over at Riot, um, and um, you know, just generally a little bit about yourself? Yes, absolutely. Um, I didn't know about your service, so thanks for your service, Austin. That's super exciting. <laughs> um, I um, my background is mostly public policy, so for me, I'm probably one of the newer people jumping into Bitcoin mining. I've been here now four months or so. Um, I 
have been always in public policy, like in, you know, just government service type of roles. Um, I started campaigns when I was in fourth grade, so I was always doing politics. Like, I was one of those weird kids, you know, the bug hit me early. And so um, this was actually the very first year that I didn't campaign, which is crazy. So like almost 16 years of campaigns. Um, and this is the very first year, and it's all because of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's pretty funny because I had initially come across Bitcoin in college. Um, I was trying to buy a fake ID. And so that's when I initially found Bitcoin. And I was too naive. I was not, I was never a technical person. You know, my background, like I said, was focused on uh, theory, political theory and policy. So, you know, it didn't cross my mind how amazing it was at the time. I just thought, that's a weird thing. Okay, whatever. Where do I buy this? Like, how do I do this? And then later, um, you know, everything that wasn't working in politics, every time we tried to come up with a new policy, a new program, something was always wrong. Like, and it came back to funding or transparency or, you know, just general cost rising. And so that's when I really fell down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Um, and so I started attending meetups about five, five and a half years ago or so. Um, started going to meetups to learn a lot more. And, you know, almost every meetup was really focused on understanding um, cold storage, understanding, you know, proper um, techniques and ways to protect yourself um, in other ways of being a sovereign individual. But it was never really about mining. There was a couple that we'd talk a little bit about home mining here and there. Um, so it wasn't until I had met uh, our CEO, Jason Less, uh, probably four years ago or so at a, at a Bitcoin meetup that I really was interested in, oh, like, there's public miners. I didn't know this was a thing. I, I really, you know, was so um, into politics at the time that I hadn't really expanded in this bubble. And then uh, for the last couple of years, I was lobbying and doing public policy for a lot of tech and energy companies. Um, so I did a lot of public utility work and I was also lobbying for big tech and a couple of others, um, mostly focused on data privacy and a lot of things um, that focused on renewables. And so that kind of was my world. And that's when I started diving a little bit more into it and then joining uh, the Riot team here. So while I'm so excited, you know, to be a part of the mining industry, I'm still learning so much every day. And it's so exciting um, because I think, you know, as, as we talked about some of the things that we're going to focus on in this conversation are finally tying into my background. So it's really exciting to be able to work in Bitcoin because I've been going to meetups for so long and, you know, have wanted to be a part of the industry, but the industry wasn't ready for the skill set that I have and my background and my education. So now I finally get to use that in the industry, which is so exciting. We've talked quite a lot about on this podcast is like the mining industry has grown so much. There are so many people working on mining that you don't have to physically be plugging in machines anymore, right? There's there's groups that are working on, you know, financial products for miners, energy sourcing for miners, right? Um, a lot of the public policy work that you're doing. So it's, it's been really incredible um, to see how much the industry has grown, even over the past year and a half. Um, speaking of growing... Trent, I want to go to you <laughs> because a trend this year that we've seen is the growth of Texas mining, right? That seems to be something that everyone is talking about. Everyone is building in Texas. And I want to talk about why Texas is a great place for miners to mine Bitcoin. So can you go into a little bit about Pump Market, different programs that are, are useful for miners and, and how Priority Power fits into that? Sure. It uh, sure has been an exciting year. In that uh, sense, and you know, like I say, Priority Power has been, uh, you know, quietly preparing for the last 20 years to, uh, you know, be able to help um, capture that trend. But you know, it really started. You know, we saw it at the the end of, I guess, 
2019, when you started seeing the U.S. public companies issue press releases about minor purchases, and then you know their stock price just go up. You know, you have these billion-dollar companies that still haven't even taken delivery of more than a few megawatts of miners, and um, you know, at the same time, I'm out there at Rockdale with Raya Winstone, and I'm seeing them what it takes to plug in 20, 30,000 miners and, you know, the mountain of trash and just the, the sure scale of the industrial project. And I started looking, I was like, well, where are all these guys going? Like they must have facilities like this all over the U S and it turns out they didn't, no one had any place to, uh, to plug these in, but they kept issuing press releases and they kept raising money. Stock price kept going up. And I was just looking at, at Chad and I was like, these guys don't have a place to go. Like, I need to find a place to go. And so, you know, we proactively went out and, you know, in anticipation of that, you know, try to secure capacity um, to help these projects along because when you're dealing with the utility, it can, it can really be a long, painful process. And then uh, the Chinese policy decisions really just fueled jet, poor jet fuel on that fire. And, you know, we haven't, uh, you know, haven't slept much, you know, in the last nine months uh, since, <laughs> since it all kicked off. So, um, it, you know, they're coming here for a reason, right? I mean, first off, they're coming to the U.S. because they want a jurisdiction where contract law stands up and, you know, the policy is hopefully not going to change overnight and they're going to need to relocate 10, you know, gigawatts of, uh, of power. Um, and why they're coming to Texas is, you know, for the, the simple answer is it's the cheapest power. But it's also um, open, arms open, a friendly place to do business in general. The governor made it very clear you know, at, at last year's, uh, you know, Bitcoin conference where everybody finally got out of their houses again and, you know, said we're open for business. But, um, you know, a lot of that goes into Texas. I mean, we produce the most uh, energy. We also produce the most green energy. And mm -hmm. so it's really a, a, a great combination of abundant energy and renewable energy. And so it really is a good story from uh, a place where you want to, uh, you know, call home. And so there's a lot of stranded energy. There's a lot of needs that the grid uh, has that controllable loads or dispatchable loads like miners are perfectly positioned to uh, solve. And so that's really one of the, the policy fronts and the, um, you know, narrative that we're helping people understand is that as you get more like an increasing penetration of renewables in our generation stack, you have more intermittency, right? The wind doesn't always blow, the sun doesn't always shine, and you need uh, flexible loads that can really fill that gap. And so we've seen that, uh, you know, already be a success in, in the, the PUC, ERCOT, the governor, they're all very big fans of dispatchable loads. And, and so therefore they're very big fans of the mining operations and they understand how, actually adding new load can stabilize the grid and incentivize not just renewable generation, but also traditional generation. And uh, when there's problems, these guys turn off. So it, it, it makes it uh, a perfect place to be the state open arms, you know, very business friendly in general and mm -hmm. abundant energy and flexible economic based programs that incentivize miners to, to come here and provide their services to the grid. Funny, when I first started learning about mining, um, one of my very first conversations was Matt Carello. Matt was at the time a Bitcoin core dev, and I was like, tell me like anything that I need to know. He's like, well, there's basically three grids in the U.S. It's East, West, and Texas, right? <laughs> and I always thought that was such a fascinating way of explaining it, and, and it made me think a lot about you know Texas, and it's great to see that miners are getting the support and that the grid is also 
set up in a way that is conductive and or conducive to minors. So it, it's awesome. It's a great place to sit in and you get to see all the people that are trying to build, right? Like you have the, the first line of defense against like understanding what everyone is trying to do. And I think you make a really good point. And this is something that we talked about on one of the other podcasts of there's a really big difference between saying you're going to do something and actually doing something, right? And I think that's why you know, I, Chad from from Winstone and Riot, I, I love his videos, right? Because you see the physical aspect of building out a mining site, and that's really hard. Like the boxes, they always ruin my nails. Like it's just the world. <laughs> so I think you know we often um, underestimate the unsexy parts of mining, of like actually building. And I, I'm glad that we're getting some more exposure to that, and like the general people who don't mine at a large scale are seeing how difficult that actually is. Um, speaking about that being difficult, Austin, obviously TerraWolf is new, right? And you guys have sites outside of Texas. When you're thinking about site selection, what are like main drivers for you, obviously other than cost? Definitely, you know, obviously we're looking for cost to be competitive, you know, with, with the industry, I'd say, you know, most people are around maybe three cents or so, um, you know, give or take. Uh, and I think, you know, that's obviously a major driver, but I think another really key focus for us is the energy source. So, you know, our focus is on, on uh, uh, having zero carbon energy sources power our crypto mines. And so I think one area in particular that we've really found to be a, a niche is sort of that nuclear arena. We were fortunate enough to have relationships with Talon Energy and sort of both realized that the major economic benefit of having a nuclear power plant, you know, um, be the power source for our, our crypto mine. And so they've been amazing partners as we've kind of been, been uh, building out the facility there. And just like you guys were mentioning, you know, it's not the sexiest thing ever as you build out these these data centers. But uh, I think that's what's what's so neat is you bring so many diverse backgrounds together, energy infrastructure you know, Bitcoin maxis, whoever else, and you kind of throw them together in one pool and you can have these really neat energy mines um, that, that are hopefully going to help keep uh, you know, nuclear power plants online in the future and also allows them to operate at sort of their max capacity, which, um, you know, for people that aren't super familiar with, you know, nuclear power, that's, that's a baseline and a baseload that you want to keep is sort of that max. And then like Trent was mentioning, you know, being able to have the ability to curtail depending on peak hours, and, and sort of be this controllable load resource is also a huge benefit to grid operators. Um, and so that's sort of, a, you know, where we, we're going to look in the future is that, that um, you know, zero carbon energy source that's going to power these mines. Nuclear power for the win. I love it. <laughs> yes. Yes, please. You know, uh, if, you're, uh, if you're into nuclear energy, please, please come check out TerraWolf. <laughs> Give us some insights, you know. We're, uh, we're always looking for the next great partner. That's awesome. Um, Yo, what is going on, plebs? We're going to take a break from our programming to tell you about the resurrection of our print magazine, starting with the El Salvador issue. Starting this fall, Bitcoin Magazine will be available on newsstands nationwide and at retail stores such as Barnes & Noble. Don't want to get off your couch, though? No problem. You can also go to store.bitcoinmagazine.com. So skip the line and get each issue shipped directly to your front door with our annual subscription. I'm talking four issues a year that contain exclusive interviews and profiles with leading Bitcoiners, actionable insights on the state of the market, breaking news and cultural trends, along with powerful photos and artwork from the best artists in the world. Subscribe today and get 21% off using code podcast at checkout. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T 
podcast at checkout. The world of crypto can seem like the Wild West sometimes. Soaring highs, crashing lows, celebrity shills, and new coins popping up seemingly out of nowhere every day. Look, we get it because we've been there before. At Bitcoin Magazine, we aim to filter out the noise and help newcomers concentrate on the signal. That's why we focus on Bitcoin only. Learning about Bitcoin may seem intimidating at first, but we've worked hard to break things down in a simple and digestible format that anyone can understand. Bitcoin Magazine has launched a free 21-day email course that teaches you about the fundamentals of Bitcoin. You'll receive one new lesson each day that covers a brand new topic as we guide you down the Bitcoin rabbit hole with quick and easy 3-5 to five minute reads. Not only do you get the free course, but everyone who completes the quiz at the end will earn some free Bitcoin. Start learning and earning Bitcoin today. Visit b.tc forward slash 21 days to enroll. Justine, so you recently, like you said, started at Riot and one of the biggest Bitcoin public miners that exists, right? It's been awesome to see what, what Jason and the team has been building. Can you talk to us a little bit about your latest announcement that you had around vertical integration on the energy procurement side? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, vertical integration is two things, right? You have financial benefits and then you have operational benefits as well. And so for us, you know, we had already been working with ESS Metron, um, you know, dealing with our immersion cooling announcement and, and we work through. And one of the things is, of course, wanting to secure the operational side, getting the supplied parts that you need, um, you know, at a consistent basis and making sure that you had a relationship there. But the number one thing for us was actually the team at ESS Matron, the leadership there, the engineering, uh, the components that you really couldn't get elsewhere. I mean, you know, it it was a family run, but really a close knit group of people who had been working there for so long, who really knew their stuff, right? Like knew everything that you could possibly ask a question about and worked through everything uh, with the Winstone and Riot team to get that immersion announcement ready. I mean, doing 200 megawatts of immersion, um, you know, trying to deploy it roughly at the same time is not an easy undertaking. And so you really needed experts from across the field to figure that out and to figure out how to do it cost effectively, how to do it fast paced um, and consistent, right? Like making sure that every portion of the building was the same, right? And that miners could operate consistently um, and not have to deal with a lot of upkeep and maintenance in that sense. And so that was really one of the biggest things for us um, integration wise that just makes the most sense is vertically integrating obviously gives you two large benefits from financial and operational, but really it's the experience and the leadership, which is the best thing about Riot and Winstone currently today. Um, you know, it's such a hodgepodge of people. Like I said, you know, I don't come from Bitcoin mining. I came from public policy and looked at this as, hey, there's a ton of regulatory um, gray area and there's a lot of opportunities coming forward that we need to get in front of and talk about. And then, you know, ESS Metron, it was, hey, we've got a lot of engineering and highly technical experience to bring to your team. And then Winstone was out there figuring things out, like Trent said, looking for power, you know, just like doing the hard work, doing the absolute craziest stuff, um, just to get us to where we are today. So, and we talk about all the time that, that it's a people business, right? And every company I've seen this as well, you know, this is also the only industry that I've ever worked in where competitors are like close, <laughs> where we all kind of know each other. You know, we really do in person. Um, and we go to the same conferences, obviously, and we go to the same stuff, but it's a lot less 
um, aggressive compared to other industries that I've worked in. You know, even though you're going to a conference with a competitor, you're also going to dinner with them and you would call them and ask them questions. Like, it's very interesting. I've never been in this, um, you know, type of industry before, but every other company also talks about their people. And that's what it is because it's everything from plugging machines to figuring out how to keep the lights on to figuring out how to get machines from Malaysia. You know, like there's so many moving parts to think about. Yeah, it is definitely still at the beginning, right? We're all learning from each other. And I think one of the reasons why everyone is a little bit more open is because there's plenty of money to be made in Bitcoin, <laughs> right? Like there really isn't like, you know, too, too much as long as you have the right setup, yeah. the right capital, right? Like we're all making money. So everyone's a little bit happy. <laughs> and yeah. the industries. <laughs> and no, no two companies have the same strategy. Every, yeah. There's yeah. no two that are even that similar. Um you know, same components, but everybody has their own strengths and niche. And, and a lot of that's driven by the people and, you know, where they started. Um, and they just, you, you, you use what you got and, and you, uh, you focus on that. And so uh, it's been, it's been really fun to really get exposure again to just the international community after I left, you know, the running the global like trading business uh, that's what I missed the most was the people and, and traveling. And, and now the world's brought all those people to Texas right in my backyard. So now I can go to Austin and travel the world. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's really, really fun uh, and exciting for me in that sense. It is a really cool industry. I actually went to school for sociology and criminal justice. So I am like, no. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I wanted to be like Clarice. Yes. <laughs> Ended up here, which like sometimes there's a lot of criminals in mining. <laughs> this is true. It's true. No love. <laughs> um, so do we think generally, and this is a question for everyone, do we think generally that mining companies will continue to vertically integrate with energy companies? Do you think we'll see other forms of vertical integration happening within mining? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's kind of funny. One of my last clients um, that I was doing like corporate comms and lobbying and, and public affairs work for um, was a very large uh, energy and gas company. And for them, you know, they talked about Bitcoin and Bitcoin mining all the time at their meetings. They, they still haven't quite pulled the trigger. But what was really interesting was that they would talk about it from a perspective of hey, this is an opportunity for us to use areas where we already have, um, you know, a ton of capital allocated and we're able to use our own resources and we can make a lot of money and we don't want to miss out on an opportunity here, which I thought was very interesting coming from them um, because they're very traditional in every possible sense and would never venture into other, you know, financial sectors or realms. So that was kind of the start of realizing that, you know, people were really going to get into it. And then I think as the years have progressed, I mean, We've seen it alone at the Houston meetup, right? There's so many oil and gas, like there's uh, old money, like, you know, traditional okay. families that are coming to these meetups, even some in like, you know, acting very casual and secretly showing up um, who have been in, you know, the energy industry for so long and they're interested. And I think we're just seeing it left and right, this integration, realizing, hey, this is a perfect marriage, like let's get together. Um, and so I think we're seeing it pretty much everywhere too. I've, I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of companies in Louisiana, Georgia, um, South Carolina. They're really seeing this opportunity and don't want to miss the boat, I think. Um, so I think we're going to continue to see a lot of mergers um, in this, you know, space and whether it's just a purely, a transactional relationship or whether it's a full marriage, you know, we'll kind of tell over time. 
Spencer Austin, anything else to add there? But, think the well, I'll let Austin, <laughs> I have some comments, but Austin's uh, the one doing it. So, you know, let <laughs> Yeah, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think that's the legacy of, of, of sort of the Terror Wolf background is energy infrastructure. And so we were one of those players that recognized uh, how unique Bitcoin really was and how uh, our skill set would really play into that um, with that background of sort of energy infrastructure, owning and operating power plants all across the globe. And so we realized and, and came in. And I think one area that I would just also like to highlight, too, is, you know, how Bitcoin miners are able to uh, assist sort of renewable sources and coming online, whether, you know, solar, uh, wind, hydro, whatever, whatever it may be, uh, having these resources that are, you know, sort of controllable loads. Um, and, you know, having, uh, especially in Texas, a lot of these new miners are coming online and are able to provide uh, that stability to ERCOT. Um, and, you know, I think Riot has some pretty amazing partners with uh, Lancium and others that have these very unique software that are, are able to basically help assist the grid in, in different ways. And so I think, that's also a really neat aspect to see how those companies that are driving solar and, and wind farms really find ways to partner with Bitcoin miners to to assist in this uh, you know green future that we're all all pushing towards, where um, you know you're not you're you're basically single-handedly providing the power source free of carbon to to the future of Bitcoin. So that's kind of my my two cents there. Yeah, I mean we the, like the Bitcoin meetup tonight here in Houston. Um, you know, there's a lot, there's going to be a lot of energy folks and, um, you know, the, the risk tolerance is there. If you wildcatting in oil and gas, then, you know, Bitcoin's just for you. Uh, but I do think that we're a longer ways away from a really mass pairing of the large utilities and energy companies um, because, you know, for these smaller private companies, they can pivot, they can take that risk. But you know, a public EMP company can't just put a bunch of capital into Bitcoin, you know, quickly because that's not how they raise their capital. That's not what their shareholders are expecting. And so it's going to take, I think, past the next halving when returns are a lot less, um, where you're going to need bigger balance sheets and those opportunities are, are going to come for them to get in. But it's going to be when the returns are a lot less exciting. Um, and so, but, you know, there's going to be opportunities for them to kind of consolidate or roll up you know, you know, smaller or, or places to enter the market, uh, but it's just going to be in a low return environment. So it, it will happen, but there's a, a lot of excitement uh, between now and then, and just the unlimited opportunities around stranded gas or incentivize even new nuclear, right? If you have, you know, a baseline return to accelerate those decisions, um, you know, across the space that I think you're going to see changes from large scale to more distributed uh, treating you know, groups of homes and batteries and solars with miners as, as their own controllable load, you know, resource and aggregation. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's endless what the technology game is going to continue to make available. And then all the advances across every other industry that's going to tie into this. And so Bitcoin is, is going to just naturally show up in, in all these other uh, electrified connected worlds that um, we're just, you know, our kids are going to, it, it's going to be common, you know, to them. They're going to be like, "Oh, you you were around before Bitcoin, Dad," you know. And it's like, "Yeah, I was." So. It is kind of crazy to think of a world like coming into a world where Bitcoin exists versus when you have to teach yourself it. Um, you kind of read my mind, trend because I was going to ask everyone, "What what do we think the hurdles of these energy companies will face?" Right. So you talked a little bit about 
bureaucracy, right? Large companies that take a long time to get anything done. Um, do you, I, I think that there's a steep learning curve for Bitcoin mining, especially Bitcoin mining economics, right? So it's really difficult to get people comfortable with Bitcoin. Then you start talking about future price of Bitcoin and future hash rate, and you lose a lot of people, right? Um, and, and that's why we think things like dollar per terahash per second per day is a great metrics on our team. Um, but generally, if we're thinking about mining or, or energy companies starting to look at mining, do you guys see any other hurdles that you think they'll face as they're trying to get into it? I could throw a couple more out there too. Don't you worry. I'm like, <laughs> this brain is on. <laughs> I was thinking like ASIC procurement, right? So ASIC procurement for, for companies is weird AS, right? Like you have to prepay, you send your money, you hope the machines come, right? Like you have no idea what machine you're actually going to get. I think that that's a really weird concept for traditional companies too. Yeah, and again, that's why I think it pushes it further out in the space where you have new, uh, you know, chip fabrication, you know, coming online like here in Texas. But those are those are five years away. Yeah. But those are types of projects and scale that a very large company can get behind uh, and be de-risked. But you know, in the meantime, they're uh, you know they're not going to be able to figure it out fast enough in a scale that's meaningful to their bottom line. Yeah. Meanwhile, Riot's hash rate just keeps growing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Still <laughs> that. Um, I want to I want to switch to a different topic that Tristine I know is is near and dear to your heart. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the geopolitical risk of location, and I want to talk about the work that you're doing on Sat Center. I think it's an incredible initiative. Um, so tell us why you started it, um, how you think it's going to help mining, and, and then talk about like where you're thinking of geopolitical risk for miners. Obviously, Texas is not one of those places that we're worried about. Yes, no, that's definitely true. Texas is not um, the worrisome child at all in any of this. <laughs> I mean, again, you know, I really, like public service to me was so exciting. I loved being, I was a staffer in our state capitol here in California for years. Then I was a congressional campaigner. I worked in DC. And so for me, I wanted to fix these problems. And every time I ran into a problem, I was like, God, Bitcoin fixes, Bitcoin fixes. <laughs> and so, you know, in trying to get people over the hurdle um, and trying to understand why Bitcoin would fix this and how we can integrate, um, but trying to figure out how to get that to, you know, all of the different demographics and different uh, beliefs and, you know, groups of people that are in America was really important to me because, you know, coming to Riot was one thing, obviously, you know, majority operating in Texas, like there's not really a ton of regulatory risk at the moment in Texas, but as a publicly traded mining company, your biggest risk period is regulation. Mm -hmm. um, and we, you know, and we saw that with the infrastructure bill, the way that it was written was technologically inaccurate. So even though it wasn't meant to target us, it was written so inaccurately that it, it does include us, right? And we can leave it up to the court, of course, and we can do all kinds of battles and try and get um, other amendments passed. There's been a couple introduced. But, you know, the, I would say the one benefit of that kind of debacle was people realizing how important being involved with advocacy is. And this is, you know, something that a lot of us struggle with, I think, because naturally, the Bitcoin community, um, while it's for everyone, the Bitcoin community itself, you know, the loudest people are people right of center, a lot of libertarian, anarcho-capitalists. So for them, you know, they don't understand why we would engage in the system that we're opting out of. And, you know, I think it's, it's a misunderstanding of the game, you know, the ultimate game that you're playing and the people that you have to play with, even if you don't like them and you don't agree with them, the game that you have to play to ultimately win. And, you know, I think somebody who kind of talked about this 
directly was Brandon Quidham on uh, Peter's uh, podcast recently about the fourth turning. Um, in a very indirect way, he's talking about, you know, possibly partnering with people who, uh, you know, may not have the same end goal as you, but ultimately have a couple things along the way that you can work together to achieve, to reach your goal. And so that's really where Satsinner kind of came from, because I was looking at what was going on state by state. Um, looking at the New York mining bill that's coming back to life this next year um, and realizing, you know, if we don't get ahead of this conversation, we're going to have a huge headache later on. And mm -hmm. while I am, you know, 100% of the belief that it's exhausting to try and work with Congress, I'm also a huge believer in state and local politics and also know that Eastern and Western, so New York and California, policies that they introduce and push forward typically lead the rest of the nation to doing so as well. So I looked at what was happening in New York, that mining bill that's coming back to life. I looked at a couple other bills um, because across the country, there's 18 bills right now in different state legislatures that would affect Bitcoin in some way, shape or form. And they're not all bad. Um, some of them are a little bit more research-based. But the point is nobody who is a Bitcoiner and nobody who is pro the future of Bitcoin or pro Bitcoin mining had any say in any of these bills. And that's the problem. You know, they're very biased bills. They are not, um, you know, fully educated. And it's not necessarily malicious on their part. It's just that nobody from our community was engaging with them. And so that's why Sat Center really came about. And I kind of decided, look, it's great being in Texas. I love being in Texas. But the reality of it is I'm a Bitcoiner. And so I don't want to ultimately only be able to live or operate in Texas. Um, you know, that's that's not going to be fun, right? Like, you know, you have. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, OK, I, I love Texas. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, just thinking about all the Bitcoin companies that there are, you know, the, the benefit of working in different states and operating and doing all these different things is, is too important to risk. Right. Not everyone can pick up their family and move to a state that. Um, is not negative towards Bitcoin, right? So that's where Sats Center came about. So I reached out to a bunch of other Bitcoiners who had expressed interest during the infrastructure bill and said, hey, look, here's what I'm thinking about. Um, I would love to talk to you and see if this is a good idea. I reached out to a bunch of different people from, um, you know, our, our competitive companies, right? Like Core Scientific and Marathon and um, reached out to Foundry and a bunch of others. And, and then across the board, other um, companies as well. They're not Bitcoin mining, um, you know, Swan, for example, or Casa. Um, and everybody kind of came to the same conclusion where, hey, look, we all agree that we need to be a part of the regulatory discussion, but it really varied on who had time and who had, you know, the resources to be able to engage in these things. And so then I went to DC and I did meetings for a week and kind of realized, okay, here's what we need to do. Because every feedback that I had gotten in DC was, hey, your industry is crazy. <laughs> Um, your industry, right? <laughs> your industry is siloed. They felt like it was chaotic. There was no uniform, um, which obviously is the, is the beauty of Bitcoin, right? The video, beauty of being decentralized and having these ethos of being self-sovereign. But to regulators, they don't understand what our ask is. They don't understand what our main goal is. So to them, they don't understand how they could work with us. And so that's where the idea of a Bitcoin trade association really came from was, okay, let's get all companies that either operate with, for, or somehow, you know, hold Bitcoin um, and believe in the future of Bitcoin um, into an association so that way we can have educated conversations with regulatory bodies. And that ranges from PUCs to states to cities to DC, you know, whatever. 
Um, but we really want to focus on engaging everybody across the country, not just focusing on one area. So we're focused on 23 states um, starting this year. And we have about 20, uh, 20 now member companies that are st to start. And so we're trying to bring everybody on board. You know, everything from startup who's just getting going to large public companies want to really include the spectrum and make it very independent. And so while I helped herd the cats to get this going, um, and it's my passion because I love public policy and being a part of the regulatory discussion. Um, it's not my, you know, group and it's not Riot's group. I really tried to build it out to be very independent. So all of the companies sit on the steering committee and every single company has one designated representative who represents them. Um, and then the team is, the association is run by a board of directors and advisory council. And so I tried to make it as, you know, fair to everybody as possible so everybody would feel that they have an equal say. Um, and don't feel that anyone's, you know, one's opinion is louder than the other just because they're a larger company. Uh, so it's been, it's been really fun because there are some incredible, smart, you know, just amazing people that are running these different Bitcoin companies that I want to be in the front of every conversation and in every single room when discussing anything that affects our future. That's awesome. Such an awesome initiative. Yo, my fellow Bitcoin lovers, have I got something specifically curated for you. The Deep Dive is Bitcoin Magazine's premium markets intelligence newsletter. This isn't some pay group selling buy and sell signals. No, this is a premium Bitcoin analysis led by Dylan LeClaire and his team of analysts. They break down in an easily digestible way what is happening on chain in the derivatives markets and in the greater macro backdrop context for Bitcoin. This newsletter turns volatility into a joke. So hit up members.bitcoinmagazine.com and use promo code podcast for 30% off the deep dive. That's members.bitcoinmagazine.com promo code podcast for 30% off. Divorce your paid group and learn why Bitcoin is the ultimate asset by Dylan and his team. My fellow plebs, the Bitcoin conference is back. Bitcoin 2022, April 6th through the 9th is the ultimate pilgrimage for the Bitcoin ecosystem. The Bitcoin conference is the biggest event in all of Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. We're leveling up and making this bigger and better than ever. I'm talking straight to the moon with the four day long festival in the heart of Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center. This has something for everyone. Whether you're a high-powered Bitcoin entrepreneur, a core developer, or a Bitcoin newbie, Bitcoin 2022 is the ultimate place for you to be with your people and celebrate and learn about the Bitcoin culture. So make sure to go to b.tc forward slash conference to lock in your official tickets and use promo code Satoshi for 10% off. You want more off? Pay in Bitcoin and you'll receive $100 off general admission and $1,000 off whale pass. Those are stackable. So go to b.tc forward slash conference and attend the best conference in Bitcoin history. Which kind of brings me to my next question. And I think you sort of answered it. Is the mining industry tackling the ESG question correctly? In my opinion, that's very complex, right? <laughs> so because I've worked in energy and I've worked for public utilities, um, I'm very torn because in the reality is, uh, you know, people who don't understand the value that is Bitcoin will never agree with any energy use or consumption, no matter if it comes from 100% sustainable or not. Yeah. So that's really the battle that's come into play here. You know, um, I, for example, was in a meeting um, with a representative 
and I was discussing different um, energy statistics, really trying to put it into perspective, right? Because I think that's one thing that always gets left out of the conversation that yes, Bitcoin uses a lot of energy, but Americans use a lot of energy in general. And so, you know, bringing up these different statistics and he flat out just said, oh, I don't believe you. When I was sharing different statistics that were <laughs> presented from universities and think tanks. And um, so I asked, well, you know, what is a think tank or a university that you would respect, you know, and think that it's unbiased and, and actually accurate information. And he said none, uh, because in his opinion, even if Bitcoin, you know, mining and the network in general came from, as they 100% solar, his opinion, and that's wasteful, because that should be used for something else. So mm -hmm. it's a very difficult thing just to ask if, if the mining, you know, industry is tackling it correctly. Because on one hand, I would say miners are very mindful of this, like we understand the game that is PR and the game that is climate activists and all these things. But on the other hand, Bitcoiners really do care for humanity and the world in many ways that most, you know, average people don't. And it's not that they, you know, don't in a, in a negative way, but they don't think about it. And so I think that for the most part, majority of miners already are using mixed grids. They're using renewables. They're using all these things. And we're doing everything that I think the industry could really truly ask of us. And I think going forward, you know, we've seen obviously the number one thing that I think we can easily, you know, focus on is the amount of coal in America that's been going down over time, right? Very steadily. Um, and miners really are, are avoiding those types of things that would be very, um, you know, immediately perceived as negative and bad for the environment. And, you know, you talked about nuclear earlier, Austin. Nuclear is amazing, right? And however, that will never win a conversation <laughs> with climate activists, right? They're not ready. They're not ready. They're scared. It, you know, there's a there's lack of education around nuclear. And so I think there's a lot of things that we could be doing about the ESG narrative. However, I think more importantly, we're going to have to fight about the value that is Bitcoin and why it is like okay and good to be using energy in the first place. Because that seems to be the biggest hurdle in the fact that they could care less if it's sustainable or not. They just don't see the point of it. So that's really kind of the number one area that I'm in is the fact that, you yeah. know, the grids like ERCOT obviously are a mixed-use grid, right? But to them, they would rather, apparently, people's homes be more expensive to heat than having cheaper homes. You know, they don't get it. They don't get the load balancing and it's all really these other things. We had Galaxy wrote an article earlier this year where we said, here's how much the Bitcoin energy, the Bitcoin network uses, and here's how much we could find that, you know, fiat uses and the banking system uses. And it was actually quite impossible to find a lot of statistics on energy usage. So we, we tend to get picked on because we're so transparent and it's like the easy thing. But I think you're right. It goes back to education around energy um, and how the, I'd say general people don't understand how energy works. My favorite. Uh, it's on, on, on the energy side. So. <laughs> you know, it is the time of, of the year. But, you know, my favorite one that's been going around is you know, holiday lights use more yeah. than the Bitcoin. Um, I will so, you know, votes like we shouldn't have that or, you know, yeah. the, cru the cruise industry and a whole lot less people go on cruises than use Bitcoin. So like, should we stop that? And then, you know, Google uses more, you know, power mm -hmm. than Bitcoin or YouTube, you know, whatever. I mean, there's with redundancy and air conditioning, right? Like, and, yeah, it's just, it's, it's, uh, you know, obviously, Christine said it perfectly as a public policy and campaigner, uh, but yeah, it, it's it's you just have to to fight on those fronts and 
you know, bite your tongue a lot of times and just, you know, continue to add value and, and benefit in that, you know, the stranded renewables and different things and, and just continue to push that for, for people that are listen is yeah, you're, you're, ne- I don't think we're ever going to win that argument, but the more and more information that we can put out there about the relative, you know, amount of power, um, it really helps that. And, and yeah. And I would say one example of the fact, you know, knowing that you will never win that side of the argument is very clear. If you just look at Shell, BP, (laughs) any of these companies that have been around that have been doing every possible PR campaign, right? Every community (laughs) cleanup, partnering with Don, washing ducks. I mean, like trying everything. I remember that. Yeah, right. (laughs) Trying everything to try and, you know, come up with with a way to fight this narrative. And even if they had used, um, you know, majority sustainable at some plant or something like that, it still is not enough because of a lack of education constantly. And so I think that's one of the the main things that we're going to see play in this industry, you know, the exact same thing. So the same criticism. I live in Massachusetts. And I've been thinking about driving by Elizabeth Warren's house to see <laughs> if she has any Christmas lights up. Um, <laughs> I yeah. troll her a little bit, but uh, I just don't want to drive over to Cambridge. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it is, it is an, interesting, an interesting angle. I, um, I don't think the ESG narrative is going away anytime soon for Bitcoin mining. I think that's going to be a trend that continues in 2022. Um, Absolutely. And climate impact is going to be huge too for the SEC, for many things going forward. Totally. I think, you know, we just need to learn how to set realistic expectations on timing. The entire world cannot go to renewable energy. It's just, it's mathematically impossible when the energy demand is growing fast, even though renewables are growing fast, they still, it's not converging. Right. And right. You know, it's, so it's a matter of, you know, what's a realistic timeframe can you hit these goals? And, and yes, you have to set ridiculous ones and aggressive ones and have all sorts of chaos to really get people to move. And I get that from a policy standpoint, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, there's a practical like time frame that doesn't just basically kill off the entire food supplier or kill off like, you know, anybody's ability to leave their house or turn their lights on. Right. <laughs> and so it's a, it's a quality of like human existence question too, about how fast you get there. Mm-hmm. I'd also love to, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I'd also love to throw in, I know we were talking about education. I think, you know, the Bitcoin Mining Council and sort of, you know, Michael Saylor's push as well to really get statistics out there that show, um, you know, Bitcoin miners usage and stuff like that. Sure, you may not always have people that believe in the utility of Bitcoin, but it is more challenging to kind of refute those facts when you can put tangible numbers behind it because these public miners are so transparent in energy sources, usage, power costs, all these things, it, it provides an easier narrative to say, hey, hey, we're sort of open kimono here, come check us out, whereas you have a lot of under, other industries that can hide maybe their energy usage in a bunch of different ways. Um, and so I think that the education piece is, is huge. Yeah, totally. absolutely. So that leads me to my last and final question for you guys. What are some of the trends other than ESG and all of that world continuing? Um, what are trends that you think we'll see in mining for 2022? Well, here it's all about construction. It's all about facilities and just big industrial projects. And so 
we're going to see a, a massive amount of uh, load come online, but it's all, it's all behind big projects. So it's going to be the boring stuff, the dirt moving stuff. Um, and that's, what's going to consume most of this year. Yeah. I think honestly, uh, to tie up for that too, is, is building and owning your own infrastructure. You know, we, we had a lot of questions and a lot of criticisms in the beginning when we were doing that, like, why would you spend all that money with all that overhead? And what are you going to do when Bitcoin mining is done? Um, you know, all these, all these questions um, asking about what's the point of allocating capital to build and own your own infrastructure. But in the reality is, you know, it comes down to the two things, the same things about vertical integration, you know, financials and operations, like, not having to pay hosting fees and having all these opportunities um, to be able to keep the land beyond our, our lease and all these other things, you know, not having to relocate and move again. Uh, I think we're going to see a lot more companies start to do that. And I think that's why we're seeing um, in general such a trend of so many companies going public because we have to, you know, you essentially have to get so much capital so fast to try and keep up in the scaling and in the race um, to the end. So I think a lot more companies really building and owning their own infrastructure in 22. Um, I guess I'll, I'll jump in here as the last one. I would also agree. I think execution is going to be huge in, in 2022. I mean, if you look at the numbers that everyone's sort of putting out there about hash rate that's going to come online and these, you know, minor orders that are being placed, I mean, 2022 is going to be a, a heck of a, a heck of a race to kind of scale up and scale up quickly. So I think a lot of it's really going to come down to, it's great that you can place all these miners on order, but can you really plug them in in a time frame that, your advertising and then can you actually sustainably keep them online with whatever your power source is all the time and, and mine that Bitcoin. And then I would also say too, an area that's kind of interesting to, to us as well is sort of the actual ASIC manufacturing. You know, I think there's a lot of smaller players that are going to be coming online in 2022 um, with maybe machines that aren't as battle tested as, as sort of the incumbents. But I do think that, um, that that's an area that could really, really change the game a little bit as far as uh, lowering sort of your dollars per terahash as far as an ASIC. Um, and I, I'd be interested to see, you know, how these, uh, how these companies fare in 2022. Yeah, I'm usually pretty bearish on new ASIC manufacturers. <laughs> um, I am bullish, though, on Blockstream's ASIC just because they had a team that has done it before. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think that we underestimate how actually difficult it is to build an ASIC machine. Um, so... Yeah, Austin, I want to I want to be where we we fare out with some of those newer companies by the end of next year. And also, how do the machines work? Right, it's mm -hmm. really difficult to to throw out millions of dollars yep. for machines that you don't know if they work or not, or how long they're they're gonna last. Yes, and I guess I would tie in too, you know, immersion mining. I, I'm interested to see in 2022, you know, mm -hmm. uh, where immersion mining falls out. And then honestly, I mean the the way those kind of effects would fall as far as the actual design of an ASIC. You know, do you need those covers and all those things anymore? And how can you maybe and maximize will, space? And will like the manufacturers change their models? Exactly. I'm going to yeah. go with uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Proven wrong. <laughs> There's very few companies, I think, in the world that can sort of offer you a contract and say, take it or leave it. And you really have no choice. If you pass on their offer, you know, it's going to somebody else and they can they have a, a lot of power right now. And, uh, yeah, I think that the, the one thing that we've all learned in the mining space is monopolies are bad. <laughs> yes. Generally, um, so play that out every day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I think 2022 will be very, very interesting. I mean, 2021 was crazy. No one saw sort of, I think, that the massive fall off from China. Um, but uh, yeah. 
it's been incredible to see sort of the United States and North America as a whole really rebound. Um, and, you know, I think take back, what is it, 30% or so of that hash rate more and more, you know, in, in, a, in a short time. Trent, what about you? Any parting thoughts about 2022? Uh, exciting. You know, all the things about the, the ASICs and the owning your facilities, you know, it all works together. So you, it's not just the efficiency of the chip, it's how you install the chip, how long it takes you to install the miner, your uptime. I mean, it's it's all, you know, that that arms race, it really takes, you know, an expertise around all things. Uh, when, it, you know, as margins start coming down, that's, that's going to be the differentiating factor. So, you know, we've successfully got the energy cost down to, you know, less than 50% of the cost. Uh, and so the, the, the capital cost, the, you know, the, the appreciable cost uh, is really where that, that next competitive, uh, you know, front's going to be for these miners. Yeah, and I think we're going to see a lot more incentives as well. I, that's one thing that a lot of um, local municipalities have asked about as well. Um, just kind of reached out asking, hey, what would it take to get a mining company here? How do I roll out the red carpet? What can I do? You know, so I think we're going to see a lot, new, a lot of new tax credit programs, um, you know, other opportunities, maybe engagements um, with the city or the county school districts, um, you know, different opportunities that I think are going to be so exciting uh, to see in North America here. Awesome. It'll be an exciting year. Excited to see how uh, some of these trends play out over the year. Well, thank you guys so much for joining me in the last episode of Hashing for the Holidays. Um, I think this limited series will be a really fun way to learn about like what's happening in mining right now. So appreciate all your time.